Hi all. Welcome to another episode of the Master's Voice. Today we have Sharesh Dhuri with us, another successful entrepreneur. In fact, a serial entrepreneur. Sharesh co-founded Advanced Investment Mechanics and Decimal Point in 2003, where he is currently the CEO. Decimal Point is a technology-focused financial research and analytics company. With a humble beginning in 2003, today Decimal Point employs 400 people and amongst many other clients and different works that they do, they are also working with India's leading banking regulator to assist them in early detection and prevention of frauds through their machine learning algorithms. Shalesh believes in leveraging technology and innovation and creating business with strong focus on changing the society and people's lives for the better. And that philosophy is clearly visible in his latest endeavor, Imperial Galaxy. His latest entrepreneurial venture in a completely new and a different vertical altogether. Imperial Galaxy is building airships. Yes, you heard me right. They are building airships that will solve the problem of difficult logistics and disconnected routes. It aims to help in humanitarian relief and timely remote supply of food, medicines, blood packets and other emergency items which can save hundreds of thousands of lives. A management graduate from Anne Bangalore, Shalesh have earned several other degrees like CFA and CWA to name a few. Before taking the entrepreneur role, Shalesh worked in banking and financial sector and has played an instrumental role in starting India's first private sector bank at UTI, where he also started India's first money market fund. During his stint with Seattle Financial Services, he made this company the most active market maker in the Indian bond market. Shalesh is an avid reader and mostly enjoys reading science, science fiction, books on economics and finance, ancient philosophies and technologies. Two of his favorite subjects are mathematics and philosophy. We had some very interesting discussion on that, but that conversation is not part of this podcast. However, we hope to have that conversation too some other time. Now, without further ado, I would welcome Shalesh to the Master's Voice. By the way, before we get there, this is the longest podcast that we have recorded so far in this season. However, this time we are not splitting it. So now, sit back or lay down or cycle or run or walk or whatever you prefer and enjoy the podcast. Thanks, Alish. Uh, thanks for coming in for the Masters White Podcast. It's such a pleasure having you. In fact, I'm uh, extremely excited. Uh, the other few people or the organization that I know of who are in this industry, if I have understood it correctly, the name that, uh, you know, the organization names that I know of is, um, is, is Boeing, uh, Airbus, Lockheed, Lockheed Martin. These are a few companies that I know of. And the people whom I know of are... Um, or, or rather, I, I will say, heard of is uh, Elon Musk and uh, Sir Richard Branson, and <laughs> I am extremely excited that I am talking to a person who is, you know, when I'm talking the t- taking the names of uh, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and I'm t- talking to uh, Shailesh Dhuri. Uh, in in that, kind of to compare me with that industry, so it, it is my uh, it is my uh, absolute pleasure. Completely different industry altogether that you are in. Uh, though I have tried to, you know, uh, give us some background and introduction of yours, uh, I request you to please tell us uh, about you, your background, uh, what all you have been doing from decimal point, one different industry to Imperial Galaxy, completely different industry. Uh, 
remarkable. I mean, uh, for me, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around it. So help me uh, understand, uh, help uh, our listeners also understand about, about that. Uh, so uh, let me talk about myself for a few minutes. Uh, so uh, I am born and uh, brought up in uh, Thane, which is now suburb of Mumbai. It is a separate city, but people consider it a suburb of Mumbai. Uh, and uh, uh, my education uh, has been on the commerce side. And that is not because uh, of my choice, but because some other reason uh, I, I studied uh, commerce. But my heart always uh, lied in uh, engineering, uh, especially in physics and mathematics. And, uh, those were my passion. Uh, and uh, then I went to IIM Bangalore for uh, further studies. And I have some other degrees that I acquired over the years. Uh, I worked in corporate India for about 10 years and uh, I did some interesting things in, in, in uh, while working as employee for corporate India. Like uh, you know, in 1994, uh, uh, I was part of the team which started the first sector bank in India. And that time, uh, there were no ATMs in India. Only right. uh, foreign banks like Citibank had maybe two, three ATMs. ANC Green Days had two, three ATMs. So there are virtually no ATMs and we started to install ATMs. And uh, in fact, uh, I remember distinctly that uh, uh, I chose uh, chip and pin ATM as that should be installed. That was in 1994. But uh, regulators uh, said that this technology is too futuristic and, and cannot be implemented in India. And I had to scrap my first ATM, which I had purchased for my bank. And right. go back and to Bangladesh ATM. Sorry, yes. and currently that is that is what is is happening now, and that is the only yes. one that exists now, right? So, yes. what? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, 20, 20, it was on fourteen. 20 years. Yeah, almost thirty years. Thirty years. So it was on fourteen. Government made it mandatory that you should have chip and pin ATMs now. Right. So so it was twenty years ahead. So and I knew this is going to happen. So that it, someday it is going to become standard. Uh, so that was my first uh, 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 run-in with technology, where uh, I thought of technology that uh, should be implemented, and uh, and I was young. I was 22 years old, 23 years old at time. So I had uh, I was not worldly wise. So I thought, what is the best? Everybody will accept that. Hmm? That is not the case. The commercial considerations come into picture more often than you know, what is the best. Uh, what is the technologically feasible? Uh, then in 1997, uh, I, I was instrumental in launching India's first money market mutual fund. And that led to a start of a new industry in India, which is called liquid fund industry. The way corporates manage money changed dramatically because of that. So mm -hmm. earlier people used to invest money in only in, let's say, current accounts was the only option available for corporate India. Now there's a new option available of liquid funds. And that was... And I had to talk to regulators for about four or five years to get it done from 1995 to uh, 2000, uh, so, so, so that was uh, another, uh, and that was a technological marvel. This was, this was pre-internet era and ensuring yeah. that money markets work, fund um, uh, works in a pre-internet era in India was a technological marvel that I had to implement. So it was uh, a, a financial innovation, it was a FinTech 
nobody used to call that a fintech that time yeah. it is a technologically enabled innovation that was implemented uh, you know in those years on a shoestring budget that i had so our second uh, running with technology that i had and then i saw in then the first time i saw internet was in 1997 and i was uh, just taken aback by the internet that so much of information is there available and you can search on alta vista that time alta vista search engine and so you can do anything on search engine so that time software technology was becoming a big thing outsourcing of software i thought it will not remain there everything that can be done remotely can will be done in india and we have so much uh, unemployment that uh, we can create uh, millions of jobs in india uh, so that is the time i decided to uh, go entrepreneur way in when i saw the internet in 1997 first time Hmm. but uh, i didn't had capital uh, i i come from lower middle class family i even in uh, four after four years of working i had education loan that i had to repay and uh, i had to support my family and everything so risk appetite was uh, uh, not there from uh, family perspective but hmm. the but the pers- perspective was there that i can do something different than if i if i keep on working from somebody else and uh, so so that that is the reason i started my first uh, company advanced innovation mechanics in 2003 it took 5 6 years of planning and that time in, in india we didn't had any vc industry of uh, to uh, top off so it is a bootstrap venture that i started uh, and from uh, advanced innovation mechanics decimal point was born which was uh, a similar business that we had the idea was that uh, Uh, you can do uh, financial research and analytics from india that was a new thing that time uh, 20 years ago uh, and you can uh, support clients across the globe and we started uh, uh, i didn't had any contacts in us or uk that was the my, my target market so it was a, uh, a challenge for us to reach there but uh, my friends uh, sh- uh, shared a vision with me they joined me as co-founders uh, over the uh, next 2 3 years and we built a strong team and uh, since uh, i am proud to say that since the year of founding till now from a very low base we have been growing at about 40% per annum and mm. that, that too uh, without uh, too much of capital in- intervention from anyone we did a joint venture with a british partner in between a british uh, company but that company that their partnership now lasted only for uh, one half year because they themselves uh, had troubles in 2008 uh, crisis uh, so so uh, my my uh, technological mindset uh, led me to believe that uh, airships have a, a big potential for solving some of the problems of india so what is the what are the problems of india one problem is unemployment mm-hmm. uh, of educated people that people who are educated uh, don't have jobs that commensurate their skill sets mm-hmm. you see you, you should always feel uh, my my belief is that you should always feel inadequate when you do a work uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that that only will lead you to perform better in many cases in india people do jobs that are far uh, lower than their 
actual skill sets mm. and that is not good for a country or for the individual also mm. so that was my my one of the objective of starting uh, uh, advanced initial mechanics slash decision point analytics mm. what is the second problem that we have uh, and is that uh, uh, we have a uh, issue of connectivity india is a country of uh, 6 lakh plus villages uh, we have one of the uh, biggest rail network in the world right but how many uh, stations we have right we have hardly a few thousand stations so only one in 1000 uh, uh, village has a railway station inside it right so remaining 990 uh, villages don't are not connected by uh, railways mm. we are now building uh, uh, highways government is spending money on that mm. uh, but again highways don't connect each and every village mm. uh, there is an issue of connectivity uh, from one village to another village and there is a issue of uh, remote areas let's say uh, northeast uh, let's mm. say uh, ladakh nowadays ladakh everybody is aware of because of the military issues right. uh, himachal pradesh or areas of uh, let's say chatisgarh and mp those mm. areas with the uh, thick jungle connectivity is an issue even in uh, maharashtra even in mm. city like mumbai mm. uh, if you just travel uh, 50 kilometers away from mumbai there are villages uh, who lack uh, uh, connectivity during monsoon time mm. so, so that's a problem mm. so what is the solution for that uh, so you can keep on building roads uh, keep on building uh, bridges yes the government is doing that but we have weather which is extreme weather the kind of rains that we get in many parts mm. of the country means that road network rail network cannot be relied upon 24 by 7 mm. and once the uh, road is broken and our bridge uh, breaks down it takes many months to repair uh, right. so so the solution is uh, airships airships don't require landing strip mm. they can land on any open field open field which doesn't have trees it can land there mm. it doesn't require uh, uh, very highly skilled people for landing Mm. Uh, it is modern technology even uh, villagers can be trained for helping the landing or uh, take offs it doesn't it is, it is vertical take off vertical landing mm. so it doesn't it is not like a jet plane mm. and at a scale at a scale uh, uh, it can be potentially cheaper than sea transport mm. so it is uh, and sea transport as anybody would know is a cheapest form of transport so if you build sufficiently large airships it can be uh, very cheap obviously small airships are costly uh, per uh, and large airships are cheaper because of the uh, laws of physics that mm. govern cost mm. so i thought this is a technology which existed 100 years ago and mm. for some reason it vanished I, i don't want to go into the reason why it vanished uh, there are certain theories about it why it vanished mm-hmm. it is a technologically feasible solution it is a commercially feasible solution but nobody is doing it hence i thought i will make an attempt mm-hmm. to do a solution using modern technology use ai 
use uh, IoT uh, for controls, uh, use modern materials uh, for reducing the weights, uh, and uh, AI for autonomous uh, navigation. One can potentially change the uh, constraints that in Indian villages uh, face. So, uh, so if we are successful, then potentially uh, one can send, let's say, milk from Bihar to Dubai in matter of 12 to 14 hours. Mm. Wow. So I'm taking Dubai as a market or uh, as a, or, or Singapore mm. as a market, which is uh, a rich market, which has, uh, which they want fresh produce, mm. right? So, so right now, uh, fresh produce means you require to have 12 hours radius from where the things would come. And uh, the, that means uh, the limited uh, uh, geographical uh, location. And you, you can't use uh, jet, aer jet aeroplanes because they're very costly yeah. for transporting things, bulky things like milk or vegetables or uh, any other items, let's say, except for electronics, for everything. and, and uh, Life-saving medicines, uh, aeroplanes are very costly. So, what is the option? This is the option which potentially is the cheapest mode of transport. It's a point-to-point. -point. There is no issue of multimodal that would come into. All other transport uh, requires multimodals. You come by first come to the nearest railway station by truck, then uh, load the goods on the railway, bring it to the nearest port. From port, you send it to the destination port, and from there again. The reverse journey happens mm -hmm. here the airship can potentially take off from a village mm -hmm. and land to the warehouse near the city where it is supposed to deliver the goods mm -hmm. so that is a transformation that i am visualizing and hence i started this company just recently I started the company just uh, in on 8th of uh, january of this year right yeah and, and then within two months lockdown happened so we are slow right now in slow mode because this is a physical activity as against uh, my other company which is decimal point which is a virtual activity where we can do activities virtually uh, here we were physical uh, distancing so so we were just keeping quiet till uh, uh, september which again reactivated uh, things as the lockdown restrictions started reducing mm. and hopefully we have some interesting news from us in next few months on that side so that is that is why the two different things. So okay. it, it is comes from one one uh, the philosophy behind is one. Look at the problems that that country has, and see how you can solve those problems, and see if you can in the process make money. Try to obviously have to make money. Yeah. There is no uh, I don't have a silver spoon that that would fill. So I, I have to finally make money on that, but by solving problems in a different way. Mm. Yeah. I, this is uh, very, very fascinating. I, I find it very fascinating because, uh, again, the, the industry itself is, is a very, very different uh, altogether. I mean, how many, how many um, organizations or individuals would be there in the uh, airship build, building? So it's very, very fascinating uh, in, in that sense. How far or how close are we from uh, seeing uh, or what what do we you know um, uh, wait to see from imperial galaxy in, in coming months and coming time so so uh, so imperial galaxy one of the initiatives that 
we are taking is uh, uh, we are trying to build an airship that can uh, deliver uh, covid vaccines in remote areas so so uh, covid vaccines uh, depending on uh, which uh, technology is being used uh, requires cold storage uh, of let's say uh, normal ice box to mm -hmm. minus 50 degrees or minus 60 degrees celsius mm -hmm. so it's it's very difficult uh, uh, proposition to transport uh, this vaccine on large scale across the length and breadth of country like india mm -hmm. and unless we vaccinate everybody once the vaccine is available as all of us have read in newspapers the uh, it, it is of no use because if we, unless there is a herd immunity, the virus will come back. Right. So we need to do that very quickly. So we are trying to build that. So it's so, and we are hoping to get uh, funding from one of the foreign governments for doing this. Mm -hmm. So and if we if we get that, we'll build in the matter of uh, years time. So by the time the vaccine start becoming available. In June, July, we can start distributing by December or uh, January of next year. Mm. So uh, that is 2022. Anyway. Yes. So that's the that's one of the idea that we are working on. Then the other idea that we have, so the, the low risk ideas right now we are trying out is uh, 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 now everything has become digital, mm. right? Because of the uh, lockdown and everything. Right. But uh, the remote areas of the country still doesn't have mobile connectivity or internet connect availability. Right. Right. Yeah. Government of India is doing uh, its uh, Bharat Fiber initiative yes. and, and lighting down fibers. It is a long, long, long drawn and very costly initiative. And, but they should do it, uh, and they're doing it. But there's an alternative also. Uh, one can use uh, uh, these uh, the airships as a mobile tower. And one airship can do work of 20 mobile towers. Wow. So, so yeah. the cost of the uh, reaching telecom would reduce. And also in the remote areas, especially hmm. where uh, building uh, telecom towers is very costly and the returns are low because the purchasing power is there is low. Right. Uh, this can become a, a good alternative. So, uh, we are discussing with some telecom companies. Uh, to do some trials on, on this technology that uh, uh, our technology partner uh, has developed. Mm -hmm. So we, we, are, we are tied up with IIT Bombay's technology partner on that. Right, yeah. So these are two things that you can see in next uh, seven, eight quarter, seven, eight quarters. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, uh, you can see uh, maybe uh, slowly transport of uh, goods initially mm -hmm. uh, uh, high value goods uh, or emergency goods mm. and then maybe five years time you can see movement of bulk goods when the size becomes large mm. and and if everything goes goes uh, on by as per my dreams then maybe in 20 years even people can travel in this mm. once through the safety of uh, uh, this now if you're traveling in airship it is like traveling in a uh, uh, in a boat, you don't, don't require to close the windows. You can keep the windows open. 
want. So unlike unlike the normal uh, jet airway, which right. which require a tube kind of environment, this can be open, and it can be very spacious. So especially for old people or people with children who are traveling, mm-hmm. it's uh, quite a bit of pain to travel through an aircraft because you have to sit at one place for seven eight hours. Uh, you cannot move, so that is the issue for many many people. So it's, except for let's say population group from 17 18 years to uh, 40 45 years mm-hmm. except for that everybody else is a problem of sitting for long at one place you very to sit for long so there's a big market uh, where people would not mind spending maybe uh, right now which takes three hours to go it will take six hours to go cost will be cheaper and it will be a more comfortable journey like traveling in a train or uh, traveling in a bus, uh, even bus is not that comfortable, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of journey. So people that that market, but I think it will take twenty years for that market to develop because we need to prove safety of uh, airships again. Uh, before that, people will not, uh, government will not be willing, uh, willing to allow people to travel. No, no. Uh, so so and uh, what would happen is that see everybody talks about inequality. And of in, in the world, and inequality. They say we will cover the inequality by giving basic income and giving free ration or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is not the solution. We need to empower people to uh, to lift themselves up. Mm-hmm. Right. You cannot hand out people. Okay? You are a poor person. Take uh, basic income. You are a poor person. Take free ration. Mm-hmm. I'll give you free. That's a short-term solution that to keep body and soul alive right. together. Yeah, yeah. But for for the human soul to flourish and for the human condition to increase, mm. people by themselves should be empowered to improve their condition. Mm. Right now, what is happening is that many parts of the world people have to migrate per force to cities mm. to to improve their conditions. If right. we do things in different way, where uh, we give all kinds of connectivity to people in villages, mm-hmm. people will want to stay in villages and they can uplift themselves right. from where they are. So, because internet is now available, so so education you can have sitting at your home if internet is available mm-hmm. uh, in the village. Right? You don't have to come to uh, a central place to to learn. Yeah. Just to learn, you have to come to a central place like, uh, let's say, IIT or, or IIM in India, mm. to have a network effect. Correct. Yeah. To to get the best bench to know each other, but otherwise, if you're going to a meddling college, mm. you do, you, do, uh, you should not be leaving your house. Yeah. Because the professor is the teacher is just reading from the textbook, mm. and, and the other students are filing the time away. Mm. So that is a story in most middling colleges in India. At least that is what I had seen uh, 30 years ago when I was in a building college uh, doing BCom. So that that can be done sitting at home now, and uh, people don't have to travel to cities like Pune or Bangalore for higher education in small in not so well-known colleges. That will be a big boost for India. 
the technology is available there. So sorry. So this is a way we can improve the human condition, and this is the idea that I have behind this. In, in fact, uh, a lot of it is is not happening again because of the current situation. Uh, the the tech is one industry which is which is booming, and and we see so many you know uh, so many uh, organizations, so many uh, startups coming up in in, in that industry. Right. industry. Very early in 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 the age or uh, in the stage of um, uh, decimal point, you had a HR in in your organization. So uh, and again, um, uh, I also have uh, understand as I understand and I know um, you focus a lot on developing people, uh, building team, building an organization. So tell us about that. Um, uh, tell us that you know how important uh, is it is. Uh, to build organization, develop systems, processes, invest on people, people practices. Uh, so, uh, what has been your experience? Yes, uh, so I think this is a, a thing which is dear to my heart. So, talent management, uh, or as HR is called. So, right. uh, I'm no more called HR. Uh, HR, I call it talent management uh, okay. for last seven years because that is what it is. Uh, it is management yeah. of yeah. talent. Uh, so talent management is uh, has always been reporting to me and uh, I, I never uh, let that function go away from from me because i thought it is the most critical of the uh, functions for the organizations long term success so in long term i, I had always vision of turning a decimal point for 30 40 years so, mm -hmm. so i was taking that 30 40 years goal and uh, the first uh, person in uh, talent management team I, I hired was in when we were about 20 people. Right, yeah. So, so, and uh, uh, the mandate to her was the build culture, uh, build organization, ensure that people are uh, at, uh, aligned properly with, with the organization's goals and, and uh, ideas. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, that that is with. Uh, it was uh, the objective of let's say people think uh, HR karna hai to payroll processing, mm -hmm. recruitment, mm -hmm. those things come mm -hmm. to entrepreneurs' minds first because those are the pain points, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or separations, mm -hmm. those are the pain points, uh, but th those are the pain points, but those are not the value creation creators. Value creators are what people are doing in the organization day in and day out. Mm -hmm. That is the value creation, and and how do we uh, get people to move to to do what you want to do for the organization succeed and for them also to improve? As I mentioned in the, at the very start, that a person should feel in, inadequate every day, and strive to them and make themselves better, and still should not feel rejected about uh, that that feeling of I need to do uh, be better today as compared to yesterday should be pervasive in the organization. So those are, those are the mandates that uh, I had uh, when we started out uh, uh, in the building uh, talent management department. Mm -hmm. uh, usually in many organizations, uh, uh, HR and admin are kept together. Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, but uh, uh, and that's uh, taken as uh, they, they can handle both things. And so mm -hmm. I, I never did that. Uh, admin always remained separate. HR mm -hmm. always uh, remained a separate function, mm -hmm. a separate function, because there are two different activities with different different purposes, 
One is to keep the lights on to, to see that AC functions, to see that power supply comes in. Mm -hmm. And other is to ensure that the human beings who are interacting with the systems are right fit and they're motivated. Mm. Now, how do we in, uh, ensure that uh, people are right fit? Mm. It starts with uh, recruitment. Uh, if you want me to stop anytime, you can stop me. It starts with recruitment, yeah. the philosophy behind recruitment. Mm. So usually, uh, the companies uh, have, everybody has, uh, the uh, job requirement, the skills required for a particular position. Mm. And if, if the candidate fits, the uh, the JD and the skills required and salary levels are matched then the person is hired mm -hmm. uh, from day one what was important to me was not the skill sets per se that the person has mm -hmm. but one is what decimal point is offering or what we are offering as an organization how mm -hmm. much is is valuable to that person Mm. That is the first criteria that I have when I look at that person. Mm. Does, does that person, he or she value us mm. uh, as an organization or not? Especially because we are a small company, mm. we need to be very cognizant of that. Mm. Uh, is, is this a short-term uh, arrangement for that person or is mm. it really looking to build a career with us? And there is a ways of identifying that mm. right, variety of leading questions mm -hmm. that one can ask okay. that is the first thing mm -hmm. second is how much is the person willing to learn and adopt mm -hmm. that is that is the critical trait that i look at mm -hmm. that is the person willing to uh, learn and adopt because mm -hmm. today i have a roster of skill set as required to do today's job but the world is changing very very fast mm -hmm. so uh, after a few months, after a few years, that person has to do some, something else. Mm -hmm. And if a person is not willing to learn and change and adopt, mm -hmm. then we will have unfortunate issue, uh, case of separation, which we don't want to have. Right. right. Uh, so that is the second thing that I look at. So mm -hmm. uh, that, that helps, uh, sets the stage for next stage. Mm -hmm. So these two things I had thought from beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the third stage, uh, I was able to vocalize over the last five, six years only. I had the, those thoughts, but they were too fragmented. Uh, and as an entrepreneur, you learn how to vocalize those thoughts. Right. And uh, I should I should thank uh, uh, Kerala's current governor, uh, uh, who is uh, a scholar of uh, both Quran as well as Vedas hmm. for right and for. Uh, his thoughts. I do. I don't know him. He doesn't know, know him personally. I have read his thoughts. I have heard his talks, and from this, this has come. So, so there are two. Uh, uh, there are two names in Sanskrit for victory. Mm. One name is Jay, another name is Vijay. Right. Mm. right. So both mean the same thing. Mm. So. Uh, so, but why why two names for the same same word? In Jai, it means that uh, I am winning by helping you to win. Okay. And in Vijay, uh, 
my victory means you are defeat so that that is the philosophy that i had intrinsically had from beginning uh, both while interacting with customers as well as interacting with uh, uh, employees my my, uh, my colleagues uh, and that is how how we have built the culture around it and that is how we articulate around it that everything should be a joy so in english it is called uh, a weird word of win win so but win win doesn't give that effect of seeing jay versus vijay because sometimes you require to have vijay if if if, if there is a competition to win a contract between two competing companies then i need to have it because i need to win the contract that means the other party will lose the contract not the contract so that's that's uh, very few scenarios are like that once you are in, in with the customer you need to ensure every day he has a jet once the employee has joined us uh, i need to ensure that he has a jet every day how does that translate into value or in numbers uh, which finance finance people can understand is that 90 95% of the value created by an organization should lie with customer 5% of the value or maximum 10% of the value should lie with the company that is creating value mm. okay. so most of most of your productivity should be passed on to customer mm. similarly okay, of, of the so, sorry so, uh, sorry. so we'll, uh, we'll need you to uh, elaborate a bit Bit, bit on that. So, what, what do you mean when you say that? Okay, ninety ninety five percent of value need to lie with the customer and five to ten percent with with the producer. So, uh, what exactly would that mean? Okay, so so I'll give you a very simple example. Let us say uh, a current market price of the product is hundred, mm-hmm. uh, and it is established price because. Uh, the current producers are able to produce it at let's say 97 or 98 and they are selling at 100 they are making 2 2 bucks profit right now if i innovate and i i bring the cost of production down to 40 what should be my selling price okay now i have from 100 to let's say 40 the gap right So even if I bring it price down to ninety nine, mm. all customers will come to me, and I can have profit of fifty nine. So right, so should I do that, or should I charge forty five? Mm. If I charge forty five, mm. I am leaving ninety percent value with the customer and five percent value with me. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. And same way with uh, when you hire a people, person, when you train the person, mm-hmm. or when you compensate the person, same thing lies. Right? Mm-hmm. Most of the value that the person is bringing should be with the person. Mm-hmm. A small portion should be with the organization. Mm-hmm. But then even then, organization can make significant profit, and then the organization's position in the market is unassailable. Un- nobody can come and touch. and that is the time when organization can help in develop the people mm. when you have that attitude of jay mm-hmm. reserve is every 
constituent of the organization, whether customer or employee, then you can develop the culture of, of the organization. Hmm. So, so, the, so, so, so that is the thinking and this is how the thinking has evolved and this is how one should look at developing people, look at creating value uh, for uh, the organization. Wow. Wonderful. We'll dwell more on, more on that because it's very, again, this is very interesting, uh, the concept itself, the Jaya Vijay and how it, so we we'll like to understand more on how does it get, um, uh, as a culture, how it get, got built in, in decimal point, how it is happening yeah, uh, in, in Imperial, maybe early days, but still decimal point. Uh, but before that, um, uh, the hiring framework, the two things that, you know, you, you have already answered one of my question, but again, I will go slightly deeper on in that, uh, is that um, when you say that you look for uh, whether, whether the person will be a uh, right fit in terms of what person values, what uh, decimal point is bringing and, you know, is doing. Uh, how do you, and second is that willingness to learn and adopt. So how do we, how do we, uh, how do you um, uh, evaluate that? Are there any set of questions that you ask? Are there any any other thing that you know any test or what is that? How, how do you how do you evaluate? It, it is a test of test. It is a set of questions and it is uh, my philosophy towards life, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, that I'm translating into action. So what what I want to do is uh, if I want to make maximum impact, let us say. Uh, if I am hiring 400 people or 500 people, mm. then what kind of 400 or 500 people I should be hiring? Obviously, they should be able to do the job, right? Mm. But should I go after people that have other alternatives available? Mm. And I, I, I am their third Uber or third uh, corporate behind them. Say, mm. mm. come and join us. Or should I go? Should I go deeper and seek out somebody who doesn't doesn't have options, alternatives, mm. and still, in my opinion, in our opinion, can do the job. Mm. Mm. That person will value you more mm. than the earlier person because the earlier person has alternatives. Now, alternatives don't come just by having knowledge. Mm. Skills. Alternatives come by having financial uh, uh, resources. Mm -hmm. Alternatives come by uh, having family connections. Mm -hmm. People who don't have family connections, people who don't have financial resources, mm -hmm. they don't have too many alternatives. Mm -hmm. Even in their, especially in the first 10-15 periods of their career. Mm -hmm. And that is a time they somebody needs to go deeper into their uh, personality and identify whether that person can do better than what he or she is doing right now far better mm -hmm. job or far different job mm -hmm. okay and, and that is where my emphasis lies mm -hmm. and that is the maximum impact that you can make so one can say i have created 400 i, I created 400 jobs Right? Mm -hmm. But if students are founded jobs from some other corporate, the net addition to society, net valuation society, society is less. Right? Right. Yeah. If you have hired people who wouldn't have got this kind of opportunity, mm -hmm. then valuation society is maximum. Mm 
then okay one is how much money i make in my bank bank balance but other is intangible what is the impact that i am having society and there i can have maximum impact on society and also that person would be willing to work with us for longer because he or she implicitly we recognize that we have given that person a chance to prove himself or herself obviously if they can't prove themselves or herself then we have problem on our hand which needs to be dealt separately not many people want to deal with that problem separately hence they don't want to try that or some people don't even think about it so if if you are doing this then you need to be willing to do uh, deal with the problem separately of, of some people who you think will come up do not come up then you need to have separate way of motivating them in uh, mm-hmm. the various programs that they come up mm-hmm. okay so that's that's the answering your question about uh, the first question how do i identify whether person has puts value on the your job or, or your organization or not so mm-hmm. i hope i answered that question the second question is learning ability mm-hmm. so learning ability you, you ask open ended questions to people mm-hmm. where if, if they feel as if i am trying to find out about their friends their family mm-hmm. their hobbies but you are trying to f- figure out how this guy or girl deals with situations which require them to change mm-hmm. if they have shown the willingness to change adopt in the past then most likely they will learn so some questions are straightforward questions ki aapko ye sikhna padega so uh, a guy from commerce background who is a tum aapko programming sikhna padega a guy from engineering background who will tell them aapko finance sikhna padega aane ke baad yahan pe so so see the reaction how they react Mm-hmm. Right. that is one one and that's a straight questions okay. uh, and then you and uh, you know some some people try to bluff some people try to give um, uh, right answers and you know by experience which, which people are bluffing and which will be right answer and also indirect way of figuring out whether those guys really mean what they are trying to say also mm-hmm. that is how we can see the uh, and it is very important that the learning ability remains uh, and, mm-hmm. and always Uh, that uh, that curiosity remains to find out more if if you are afraid that mm. this is not my cup of tea i will not do this then in this environment uh, it is very difficult to uh, survive as a uh, executive for the uh, people great um one question that i have been uh, you know asked uh quite a few times um, again um, is that uh, if i have to ch- how, how do i choose or how do i decide that okay you know um this this is taking a much longer time than uh, expected to to fill a position so how long shall i keep my you know position open um to to find the right guy or shall i get a person and then you know we'll see how that person um, how other person shape up or i will try to create, help the person to shape up and fit in uh, my organization as long as you know some some fundamentals basic are, are getting uh, are, are fitting so 
how long do you wait how do you make a choice that okay you know it's already two months three months you, you may start feeling that um, anxiety we all start getting uh, anxious that at least you know some, someone is there who can make a sales call or can uh, address that uh, that mail which is waiting uh, in the inbox and for which i have to spend time so how, how do you um, what what do you do how do you go about that what is your suggestions what's your advice Yes. So, so my my advice, my suggestion, the way I I personally go about doing things is uh, depends on the levels. Uh, for very senior positions, uh, you you can wait uh, for up to eight to nine months, because there uh, you, you have to get the right fit on many many counts. Right. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, uh, you can't change the person who is let's say 40 45 years of age on many parameters that person can hold on three or four parameters mm. but not on many parameters mm. while younger positions we are looking uh, at 25 years age mm. i am willing to compromise uh, within one or two months mm. the position is not and and the, the, that that's a scale so if, if the person, if, if the mid-sized position, wait for two, three months mm. and, and see what else you can do. Mm. And, and the resume is that you get the, the people that you interact, you get ideas. So you, you, you go into market with uh, your skill set requirement. This mm. is what I require. Yeah. But then you encounter people who have different combinations, different cuts of uh, those skill sets. And it is important to understand that world is very complex mm. and your perception of uh, reality is not the only reality. There mm. are many, many ways one can cut that reality. Right. So after, after you take three or four interviews, after you take uh, especially mid-level positions, mm. you should be willing to uh, change some of the, uh, the JD descriptions if you're not finding the right person right. Yeah. and see how we meet those positions better. And this applies not only for uh, just uh, filling a position, but for everything that you do, you should be flexible. As you pursue things, you should be willing to change. That's the key to success in a, in business environment. Mm. And that that's a, a very good and you know very actionable um, advice or, or model. That, that can be used, yeah. For, for senior level or senior roles, uh, critical roles, you, you definitely can wait or should wait uh, for getting the right candidate, right fit candidate. And for mid junior level, um, probably you can take a jump, take a one to two months as mass that you should be waiting and be willing to make some some changes in, in the role itself and then the expectations from the person as well. Okay, great. Um, when did you, uh, Shailesh, realize that, okay, now this is the time where uh, I should be uh, getting a HR or start building systems and processes in the organization? Uh, did, are there any, any initial signs like, you know, COVID, okay, if you have cough, you have fever, you have <laughs> uh, uh, loss of sense of smell that, okay, you should go for a test. You can, you know, try, uh, if you have come in close contact with someone who you know uh, was having, then go for a test. If not, then yeah, it's okay. It may be a, it's still some some uh, some distance. So, are there any symptoms? Uh, so, uh, I always knew that when the organization will become twenty people, I will hire a uh, uh, HR person. Uh, the reason being that uh, 
the ambition that uh, I had and I have, uh, it was a big ambition. And for that, I, I required to build culture. And I had done a lot of work around culture and a lot of work around uh, uh, those uh, uh, items. Uh, and I, I, I have my own philosophy, my own way of thinking about these things. Uh, when I studied MBA, uh, uh, on HR subjects, I got very, very poor marks because uh, I would express my own opinions uh, and not the opinions which uh, the professors would expect uh, to be expressed. But uh, having those thoughts and having those uh, variety of thinking on how uh, individuals should interact uh, uh, in organized settings helped me have that. But uh, if, if you have not done that, then Obviously, things, uh, uh, the, the errors that you make, the kind of errors that happen in the organization is always a guide for what correct direction one needs to make. So if, if the errors are happening because of lack of coordination between people, because mm -hmm. people are not talking to each other, right. then that is the sign that you need to get HR person or if you have an HR person, that HR person needs to change his or her behavior. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 where, where does culture fail? Culture fails when uh, the organization fails to deliver the goals. And usually the, the failures are due to internal reasons and not due to external reasons, especially for small companies. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about multi-billion dollar organizations. Multi-billion dollar organizations depend on macro trends for growing. Mm. They have no other alternative because you're already a very, very large company. But for small companies, growth is driven by the set of people that you have. Right. If the growth is not coming, if after you get growth, your delivery is not happening properly, if there are too many uh, conflicts within the, in the organization. Uh, if, if you are firefighting continuously, then something is not working in the organization. And also, if you want people to learn, they're not learning and all those things, then something is not working. So there, there are times where we need to intervene. Intervene by hiring an HR person. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, it, it is a very... Uh, Weird advice that uh, to give that uh, if uh, I am having quality problems, I require to have HR person. But you need to go through the issues. Yeah, is the quality because of coordinate lack of coordination? Are the lack is the lack of coordination because of ego clashes? Is are the ego clashes because I don't have consistent cultures across my two or three small teams? Mm. Then definitely require an HR person to come and interview. To, okay. uh, to, and and th that might be too late, actually. So when we able to foresee that, that this yeah. is what was going to happen, then the HR person job is tougher. But if you get the person slightly earlier than that, the moment you have multiple teams, start getting uh, people to yeah. manage interpersonal relationship. And now technology is helping quite a bit. Mm -hmm. so, I would say uh, use tools uh, like uh, Slack, Yammer, 
and Microsoft Teams uh, liberally so that people can express themselves. Yeah. Obviously, there should be a limit as to what you express. Mm. You shouldn't be expressing political views on company forums. Mm. But mm. any issues that they have, they should be able to bring out. Mm. So, and that would help uh, the CEO or the founder to know that if people are complaining too much about uh, these issues of coordination or conflicts, then mm. we need to get uh, uh, HR into picture. Yeah. I mean, the point that you mentioned that, okay, if there is a quality problem, is it actually a quality problem or is, is it a people problem or a process problem? So that is something that you'll get to know only when you go and dig deeper and, and you know, you double click on, on the issue and not just, okay, look at a, at a surface level. One, one of my belief and my theory is that, especially when you reach, uh, again, around 20, 20 plus, 20 to 30 number of people, uh, and, uh, people, systems, processes, they become a challenge where you becomes a matter of or a game to lose than to win. You, you have already, you know, kind of uh, when you have reached that number, you have survived, you have um, uh, uh, right business model. Now, how fast you grow, how, how profitable, how many market that you get into uh, will be function of how good or better your systems, people, systems and processes are. So it's a very good example that you gave that okay you know go go deeper dig deeper if that is an issue so you know uh, fever is fever is a symptom is not a, a disease in itself right so the fever can be because or, or it, it can be because you are swelling right? yeah exactly exactly so I, I yeah it's a good rule of thumb that you mentioned that uh, you know that you had in mind very clearly that okay when i reach 20 uh, i'm going to have a talent management person or a person in the organization these are the things that the person will do now, uh, one other thing that you have uh, mentioned, and uh, again, it's also an uh, agenda uh, <laughs> of, the, of this podcast was to talk on the culture. Um, what to, you know, it, it's very, um, you know, previous conversation also uh, with uh, other previous guests, and even for me, you know, having practicing, uh, being in this, in this industry for, you know, 15, 16 years now, uh, I still, you know, keep finding and keep understanding what culture is. Uh, keep learning more about it and keep getting a new view, new understanding of it. So, um, for you, what do you mean by culture? And when you say that, you know, uh, the mandate was to build culture, develop uh, 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 culture and practices, what exactly in, in terms of actions, behavior, how uh, uh, it meant and how do you say that, okay, if it is working fine or not working? So, so as you said, culture is set of behaviors. Mm. That you want people to have certain set of behaviors which you don't want people to have, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so some cultures are toxic, some cultures are inclusive, and mm-hmm. both work. It is not that uh, a toxic culture doesn't work, uh, an inclusive culture only works. It's a matter of choice that the founder uh, decide. This is how we need to have the culture. So the culture that uh, we have is that the human being is the valuable thing here, unit here. There should be the respect for the person. So that, that is the first that we need to emphasize. The person should be growing. Obviously, financially, the person needs to grow. But intellectually, emotionally, and from his uh, sense of achievement perspective also the person should be growing mm-hmm. so that is the, that is a first priority for us 
then how you express yourself do you express yourself loudly or you express yourself professionally or calmly so some organizations have uh, behaviors where there's a lot of uh, shouting uh, matches happening and then that also works i'm not saying that don't work but in our organization that is not the culture the culture is if there is any dispute it is raised it is resolved in a gentlemanly fashion mm. so that is the behavior that we have mm. so so respect for each other mm. continuous learning yeah. uh, how do we resolve conflicts mm. those are those are the uh, values that we teach and then we have a set of values that we have set up, set on our website which yeah. have, we have discovered these are the values that we have then right. yeah we try to imbibe those values by example mm-hmm. so this is how we behave mm-hmm. and uh, whenever i try to talk to my direct reports i try to explain the decision based on my values mm-hmm. this is how we are deciding and why we are deciding these things now for example uh, we, uh, in the initial years itself uh, i had a policy of pis performance improvements uh, system hmm. for example now why that was required is that uh, if uh, the relationship between uh, uh, employee and organization is not working out hmm. whether how long we should keep on trying hmm. and who is the loser there so that message i wanted to give Mm. that uh, if if your uh, driving principle is that you should uh, have respect for other individual mm. then uh, people uh, draw conclusion that we should give a very long rope to the person to uh, mm. the employee for proving himself or herself mm. uh, but it it is ineffectual because you are wasting that person's life for many years so mm-hmm. if if you let's say 2 years and the person is going to work for 35 years right mm-hmm. then for 2 years he is out of 35 years he is miserable because he knows or she knows in her heart that he is not doing as per what organization expects but organization is kind to him to not to let let him or her go mm-hmm. that that lowers that person's uh, uh, self respect Mm-hmm. which is against the objective of increase the self respect of the person right then secondly just keeping the person here is not going to make the person magically do better right and to have pointed communication with pointed delivery dates this by this date i want this improvement by this date i want this improvement mm-hmm. and when we instituted this this process there was initially lot of resistance from people that this is against our philosophy this is against our philosophy mm-hmm. but i said no this is with our philosophy mm-hmm. and we instituted that and we we are getting now for now 8 9 years fantastic results from that mm-hmm. so if somebody is not performing mm-hmm. we have a proper way of telling the person that you are mm-hmm. not performing mm-hmm. and need to improve and 95% of the people who are who, who we tell not are not performing within 15 days they start performing using that system mm. so it is the culture is not mm. only what you expect from the people mm. as uh, uh, organizations employees 
but also what organization does to them mm. when they are in difficulty either performance wise or uh, their family difficulties or so on and so forth mm. it's a two way process it's not just a one way process that the culture is what employees do to the organization for the organization mm. what organization does for the employee also builds the culture mm. for example uh, uh, till now i don't have any award system for uh, best employee of the month or best employee of the quarter or so nothing we, do, we don't have because the fact that you are here means you are the best mm. you should feel that you are the best mm. and mm. if you feel somebody is doing better than you you yourself should realize and do better than that person i don't have to go and tell that mm. mr x is doing better than all of you mm. so look at you look at you mm. so that is again a self respect if if obviously if a falling below particular standard i will tell you that you are not meeting the standard mm. but once you meeting the standard you are the best and then mm. it is up to you to look at other people and take yourself up and that is what people do people look at their colleagues and see if somebody is doing better they try to imitate that mm. in our organization mm. and that is the culture that we have built so these are the things aspects of cultures you need to build certain things are taken as granted that mm. the best employee of the month award hona chahiye we don't have because it doesn't fit into uh, my my thinking that uh, saying that i should if everybody has worked hard and mm. and 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 that those people are not uh, fallen below the standard required then everybody is the best for me mm-hmm. that is the culture that we have mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we are accepting underperformance right yeah so those those are ways we are building culture for the organization i'm assimilating it it's very interesting very very interesting for me because i see when you mentioned about jn vijay this is where i see jn vijay in action actually I, w- i was actually you know going to going to tell you ask you that okay how it is happening or trying to figure out okay when it is going to have come uh, we come to a point where okay we talk about jnvj and this is where i see that you know, when you say you know best employee that then you what you practicing is vijay yes so yes. that that person that best employee per se have kind of a beaten few other people to to get that best employee correct Uh, and if you're not doing it means that okay by default you are saying that okay everyone is jay everyone is your existence your continuation here itself is saying that okay you you are a best performer so correct, correct. Uh, i yes. think it's a <laughs> very interesting way of lo- looking at things and, I, and now i can relate and you know what you meant and what uh, when you say that in, in college uh, you scored uh, low in your hr sub- and ob subjects because you have a different mm-hmm. view <laughs> from your professors and this is yes. where i you know i'm now able to relate to and make sense of it it's very interesting and again very different so you know what works for and again that's the beauty of the of the aspect of culture it's very very unique very specific to that organization uh what works for one organization may not work for another and you know vice versa and what you have been saying um good and bad again uh, perspective from different angle different uh, eyes right uh, okay so uh, on 
on the people development people management um, specifically what is what is your philosophy do you do you have any uh, any specific philosophy or any um, framework that you use a method that you use uh, on on managing people managing teams yes so uh, my philosophy is to give maximum freedom to people so uh, typically uh, for me any direct report uh, who uh, i have to spend more than 5 minutes a day managing that person means either i have failed or that person has failed mm. so mm. that is my threshold for uh, managing a person mm. so typically uh, with my direct reports i have daily 5 minutes meeting mm. where we discuss uh, what they are doing uh, what are the issues they are facing and uh, what is the priorities that they are working on mm-hmm. just that much and after that it is up to them to achieve those and this uh, and that to this 5 minutes uh, i i instituted now in covid when we were working from home mm-hmm. otherwise when we were working in the office uh, i would wait for uh, my direct reports to come and talk to me so i would say that uh, so it is a f- completely free hand to them that mm-hmm. if you are not coming and talk uh, talking to me that means i am assuming that uh, whatever we discussed as objectives you are on the track to achieve those objectives mm-hmm. so that's that so giving full freedom to people letting them to blossom is something that i that i believe in obviously if there are any issues they require hand holding they require clarifications on or certain things i am i am there available mm. for them mm. so so that, that is the approach that i have in managing relationships with my uh, direct reports mm. so and that is how i also measure the uh, my direct reports uh, how they are doing so mm. if i have to handle somebody on day to day task uh, for more than 5 minutes for very long time, time mm. uh, then uh, either i am making mistake in not communicating properly what i expect from from uh, that person's team mm. or that person is not able to understand mm. so micromanagement is not in my blood it's uh, it's uh, complete freedom but mm. complete freedom does not mean that uh, uh, i let people of the book mm. uh, i myself set very high standards for myself and i pass on those standards to people mm. so uh, the achievements that i need to do in terms of uh, meeting their objectives mm. uh, are very high in terms of what they want to achieve mm. but even even then uh, i try to take care uh, for most part that they should not feel rejected from the high mm. objectives that uh, i am setting for, for myself and hence for them mm. so so that is a culture part uh, but management part i have explained as to how i go about managing people uh, so for example if somebody wants leave the moment a person says i want to leave i say it is sanctioned mm. because 
again i, I believe that people are responsible people i don't even ask why you want to live or what are you going to do or how many how much balance you have for example this i i, I presume that they have checked that and and they know that the they why they want to live in this reasonable reason so uh, so now my my reports uh, report is no that you have to just inform me that they are going on leave uh, mm. they don't require an approval f- from my side so mm. in terms of uh, when they want to give, go on leave so mm. it's a complete freedom on both sides in terms of uh, how they go about doing their task when they go about doing their task uh, only th- the time when i intervene is uh, when the objectives are not getting met that is the time when i intervene and try to help them uh, in setting uh, standards uh, sometimes uh, i get upset uh, when uh, st- standards are set and uh, objectives are set and people ignore that mm. so that is the only time when when i get people ignore the standards which are set but if, if they are not ignored that even then even if they are not met the objective it's fine with me mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very, very, again um, different and interest interesting that okay even if you have not met objective as long as uh, we have spoken talked about it are aware of it and it's not ignored um, i'm fine um, so how how does uh, <laughs> let me explain that little bit yeah. let me explain that little bit so uh, it is so when objection not not getting met uh, then i have chat with that person right that this is how we need to change this yeah. is how we need to try these things try this thing try, try those things and also take ideas from them what are the things that we can try differently mm-hmm. so and then we agree on core corrective course of action mm-hmm. so as long as the corrective course of action has been tried fully mm. objective not getting met is not a problem correct because it's it's my fault that uh, i didn't know what is required to be done or i i didn't know that this person does not know that mm. he, uh, what is required to be done mm. as a manager it is my job to mm. know mm. that the person requires uh, is aware of his objectives and is aware of what needs to be done to achieve that objective that is my job mm-hmm. it is not that person's uh, it, it 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 is not that person's not job to to let me know that mm-hmm. yeah. and if i have talked to the person and i have satisfied myself mm-hmm. that the person is accepting that that he does does not know what it needs to be done and accepting mm-hmm. the course of action suggested jointly by us objective not getting met is just a random event we need to ignore that mm-hmm. but if the person is not accepting that mm-hmm. that he requires to change the course of action yeah. then we have issue yeah that is a bigger issue that is a bigger issue and that is the issue that is the only issue that i have yeah. so again we need to peel down as i said we need to peel down into the reasoning as to why things are not happening mm-hmm. wonderful um, and makes 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 the things lot lot clear i mean in fact it was clear in the first instance itself but yeah it gives a lot of elaboration on what what exactly it means as as you build 
decimal point. Yeah, sorry, a decimal point. Uh, what are the people challenges, uh, Shalish, that that you experienced, that you felt, and that that you uh, whether you first uh, you had that or not? If if you had, what what were there? Is there any any learnings, any experiences that you can share? Uh, and again, yes. something, uh, any road road uh, roadblocks, speed breakers that we should be looking at. See, even with all your intentions to build a culture, it did not uh, succeed across the organization with the same magnitude in building that culture. Okay, the, and that uh, that is true. I think for most organizations, at least, well, that is true for me. And especially when the market changes, or the or the perception of the entrepreneur about the market changes, mm-hmm. and uh, he needs to have corrective action, there's a lot of resistance sometimes built builds up, and that's that's a challenge. So uh, let me give some examples. So our initial focus uh, when we started decimal point analytics was. Mm-hmm. only on financial research then we mm-hmm. added uh, data analytics then we added automation and mm-hmm. further things we added later on and this was consistent with our philosophy of constantly learning constantly improving mm-hmm. but some people wanted to learn and improve only in their area what they thought is their area mm-hmm. okay. so uh, the Expansion across areas, they didn't think that that is to be done, mm. and it was a struggle for me to convince those people that uh, you need to learning means you need to learn across these things, mm. not be expert in all the areas. You need to be aware of other aspects mm. of uh, organizations, businesses, and only when you combine various businesses of the organization, uh, uh, value gets created. Right. And and that was uh, a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. In large part, most people uh, uh, understood this and accepted that, uh, but a handful of people uh, didn't do that. So and that was the failure of understanding the culture, mm-hmm. or understanding the uh, that I have not built a culture properly across all departments, mm-hmm. across all teams. Mm-hmm. So that was a challenge that, that I faced. Uh, and hence there was a certain attrition, which uh, uh, was not uh, desirable for us. Mm-hmm. So this was a people challenge, which came up because the uh, perception of market conditions changed in my mind. Hence, we changed the, the business practices. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, there's no acceptance of those was low and the, uh, even after communicating for uh, one or two years the acceptance by few people was very low that was a challenge that we faced mm-hmm. but now i think uh, the, uh, the organization which is now there understands that the change is the only constant and uh, they embrace uh, that change mm-hmm. so so uh, that was a uh, painful part of about one or two years in the organization. Mm. Uh, change was not accepted by some people. Mm. And I take the uh, uh, responsibility for not building adequate culture across all teams. Mm. Some teams were more receptive than other teams. Right. 
And how did you change that? How how did that got addressed? Was was it through uh, change in the hiring practice, hiring process, or was it a change in, in the communication? How how did that change happen? Or the change in communication. Uh, various things. Change in communication. So uh, more frequent communication. Uh, some one 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 on one communication. Some in the group communication. Town hall type communication, so that was one change. And secondly, people saw that the strategy, which is change strategy, is working, mm. producing results. Mm. So when people see uh, that change is producing result, people mm. try to accept it. Mm. And unfortunately, for organizations, uh, a change which is brought now uh, produces results after. 24 or 36 months. Mm. It doesn't immediately always give uh, results because it takes time for organization to build those capabilities and uh, go in the new, new direction. Mm. That is a period where people a lot of doubts in their minds. One needs to be communicating. Yeah. And that was my failure that I didn't communicate with everybody with same vigor. Mm -hmm. So uh, now I, I do that more frequently to ensure that that connection happens. Okay, um, great. Um, you know uh, we have spent um, almost an hour. Uh, so a uh, few advices, which uh, you know, a common um, uh, uh, framework, a uh, common setup of of this podcast is is um, you know we ask for some advices. A uh, few advices from your end to uh, people managers. So, first-time people managers. First-time people managers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so understand that uh, uh, human beings uh, operate in family and society, and they are not just bundles of skills that are available to you for forty hours a week. They are bundles of aspirations, uh, fears, uh, goals, responsibility, and that that has to be valued first, and then the skill set should be valued. That is the advice that I would like to give. That know your person from where he or she is coming, where he or she wants to go, and in that journey. What are the roles that you are playing? Hence, I am saying, understand this is a is a unit of family, member of family, is a member of society, and he he has aspirations, he has fears, he has goals, <clears throat> and how you can help on all of those things is your first and foremost priority. If you do all these things, then. Uh, the bundle of skills that the person has will be very valuable to you because then the person will go and get skills that you want to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I think, uh, if if you are a people manager as an employee, I will give that advice. But if you are a people manager as an entrepreneur, hmm. I will give advice that uh, you should know yourself first. Hmm. You should know why you are doing that. Hmm. It's important that 
so people many times to build businesses i want to achieve this kind of market cap i need to have this this much revenue i have to have this much profit all fine nothing wrong with that you need to do that you need to make money but beyond that what is the problem that you are solving what is the underlying societal cause that you are solving addressing and hence you are making money that you should know so unless you know that you will falter unless you know that today you will try one thing tomorrow you will try exactly opposite thing because somebody else has come and told you that the other thing is better but once you once you have the philosophy of why you are running the business then obviously money will follow but you will be consistent throughout consistency will be less inconsistency will be less yeah that that's a two different sets of uh, role that you play as as people manager as an employer people manager as, as a entrepreneur so and, and again you are looking from a different angle altogether yes yes correct then advice for uh, for for ceos uh, founders startup founders again of uh, a mid size organization 30 to 300 if i stick to that uh, on on Hmm. On again on people management practice, talent management practice, organization building practice. So, so you should uh, imagine what kind of organization you want to build, and then think of the processes that would create that kind of organization. Uh, seek help when you require, but you sh- your own thinking is important. Hmm. There is uh, there is no uh, silver bullet here. in in time management practices that this is what will work uh, you can build organization the way you want to build organization but you should know that path if you don't know that path then obviously you take the consultants and take their help and create a strategy around it but knowing that path knowing this is the way my organization should look like this is the kind of people i i should have this is the kind of behavior i expect This is the this kind of behavior I don't want to have in the organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, that should be very clear in your mind. And how that translates into value for your customers, value for uh, your employees, and value for yourself. That also should be clear in your mind. And then only you can go about doing your job. Yeah. I hope I am able to address that question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Um, one of the question that i again um, which i keep getting how do you grow and you know uh, grow people in 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 a, again uh, this size of startups um, in terms of vertical growth or horizontal growth uh, promotions how do you give that what kind of a title that you give how many layers that you have uh, you know whether a person is a manager or a senior manager what, what is that uh, performing the same role the person has been there uh, performing the same role or slightly or the role has expanded in the last two months three months uh, so two years three years uh, so how how, um, uh, how does uh, you know uh, what what does your thoughts views in terms of that how do you grow people uh, in terms of again title growth uh, promotions and so on in in this kind of a uh, startup yes so so that is the free option that you can give to your your uh, employees right so title doesn't cost organization anything as long as you are consistent across the hierarchy mm-hmm. right so as long as you are consistent across the hierarchy 
your title set should be the most appealing in the market. Hmm. So, because it's a free option, it doesn't cost you anything. Right. You should you shouldn't uh, cringe on that. Hmm. So do that. Then second is you should have a matrix, a matrix of skills, experience hmm. that would help you put a person into a particular job title. Hmm. That if the person has so many years of experience and has this kind of skills, I will put him in this kind of band. So what we have is we have bands and in that each band we have various titles. So hmm. first you put a person in a band and then you put a person in a particular title. And there is a uh, document that we have hmm. as to how we go about doing, doing it. So Arangash did not, did not do it till there are maybe 100 people. Mm. Uh, in the proper documentation, mm-hmm. uh, but after 100 people, they should do the documentation as to how they are going to fit people into various roles. And uh, so it is, it is a signaling device mm. for you, apart mm. from the pay that you give, apart from the task that you give to the people, mm. and the role that you're giving to the person, uh, the, the, the title that you're giving to the person, if it changes every second year, mm. is getting promoted. Mm. It doesn't change for four or five years, mm. is not getting and that means he has reached a particular level. You should have a frank talk to the person that why you are not got a next level of promotion. So uh, recently, uh, I had this example where one of one of my uh, persons in the organization uh, said that uh, I am having this same title for last uh, five years. Then mm. I explained that person why you are having the same title for five years. And mm. what what you need to do to change your title. Mm. So, so that kind of communication is also required because mm. people also expect that title should the title should be enhanced. Mm. So one is you have that matrix mm. that you can apply. Matrix should be available to people to understand that mm. based on this matrix I will move up, move up. And even then, sometimes people have confusion in their mind that mm. why I'm not moving up. You should be able to communicate that clearly. When you have your review with the people. Great. Yeah, make, makes makes sense. Um, last uh, few questions, uh, almost close to this conversation. Um, how do you develop yourself? Yes. So I know you, you do a lot, uh, and you know, and then variety of topics and variety of subjects. Uh, we spoke about it also. You know, from mathematics to philosophy, Indian philosophy, Western philosophy. All of it. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, curiosity is the answer. So, I am curious about the world. So, uh, see, I, I have I have a philosophy that uh, uh, there is uh, knowledge and there is the unknown around you. Mm. And the way I look at the knowledge is I, I look at it as a uh, sphere. So, when you are born, uh, you don't have any knowledge of the world. So it is a tiny bead that you have. Maybe you just know how to suck mother's milk. Apart from that, you don't know anything when you're born, right? So that's a small sphere. And uh, the the volume of the sphere is the knowledge that you have. The surface area of the sphere is touching the entire unknown world around you. The surface area is letting you know how much you don't know. 
Mm. So even just sucking the milk, you also don't know what you, you don't know, right? Mm. Then slowly you start hearing uh, people talking. You start learning language. Right? Mm. Uh, your knowledge grows. Mm. So your uh, that fear becomes bigger. Right? Maybe now it becomes like a, a small small ball. Right. That and now you know that you don't know little bit. You don't know how to walk. Mm. Okay, so you try walking. And you learn how to walk, so your spirit becomes bigger. Mm -hmm. Then you know that there is something outside the house. You need to go outside the house. So you try to run outside the house. Then acquire knowledge. You become bigger, bigger, bigger. So the more knowledge you have, the more you know how much you don't know because the the surface area of the sphere is touching the unknown. and the volume of this sphere is your knowledge mm. so as it grows your perception of it, what you don't know increases and as i am learning more i know i don't know these these, these things mm. and hence i have so many books i, I don't know where you can see up hmm, that uh, i buy i, I read uh, and i listen to videos that i want to acquire more and more knowledge mm. so so that uh, i can satisfy my curiosity of what i don't know but it creates another issue that the more more i know more i know and more i don't know and mm-hmm. that is how i keep on uh, learning so i try to keep uh, maybe 15-20 hours per week for just self improvement mm-hmm. for self learning mm-hmm. a variety of topics it could be philosophy it could be mathematics it could be engineering it could be computer science it could be business uh, reading it could be anything mm. but 15 to 20 hours per week i i just keep for that because of this philosophy i, I have about known versus unknown mm. Mm. so this yeah. is the point yeah. yeah i mean uh, still think uh, i can now imagine from the the sphere example i it's a very picturesque and created a image image so you know i will be able will never forget that and always keep looking for it okay the volume and the surface area uh, yes that is the key learning for me apart from the uh, people aspect that we have been talking last question is that uh what are the common mistake that uh, organization have made or makes when it comes to uh, growing uh, growing organization have made when it comes to people decisions any any mistake that you made you know the culture thing that you have mentioned about uh, that aside is there anything that you have seen many organization of this size tend to make yes so 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 uh, when you deviate from your philosophy you tend to make mistakes so whatever mistakes that i have made uh, uh, is because I, I deviated from my philosophy and I deviated from the principles that I set out as to how should I select a person, mm-hmm. how should I develop a person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how much is this company valuable to uh, him or her? Sometimes I ignore that because the person was too charming or was bringing too much of experience, which I valued at that time and ignored that at that time, mm-hmm. and it it came to bite me afterwards. So once you create a uh, framework, you shouldn't deviate from that. So uh, 
all my mistakes that I made, I can relate to uh, this deviating from the original framework mm -hmm. that, that I have made. So, and sometimes uh, you think that, uh, especially times when times are good, uh, uh, organizations feel uh, from bottom up that they are winning the world, mm -hmm. winning battle, and uh, a certain level of ego builds up, uh, which uh, is harmful for uh, the recruitment practices because we uh, you tend to make mistakes. And the same thing happens when things are not going good. Right. When you're not growing, you're losing clients, a lot of rejection comes builds into the organization. Mm. And handling that becomes an issue. Mm. And especially that, so both times, when things are extremely good and th things are not good, it is the entrepreneur the CEO who, who has to have a calm mind and look at and do corrective actions. Mm -hmm. So, again, my second set of mistakes that I made in people management were at these two extremes, mm -hmm. where people were as a too bullish, and they ascribed the company success to their own personal skills, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I didn't communicate that properly. Or second way, where the uh, the company was going through rough patch, and people were really afraid. And uh, my communication was insufficient that time. Mm. Again, both times you do a communication is a key to avoid those mistakes happening and those extremes. Wow, so much to learn. And I go back to the same. The more I learn, the more I know how less I know. <laughs> yes, that's, that's so, true. That's true of it. Yeah. You, um, Thank you so much, Sarish. I mean, uh, this is terrific. A um, uh, lot of uh, wonderful uh, inputs, a lot of wonderful advices, a lot of wonderful insights, uh, wisdoms. Uh, I'm sure um, I, I gained a lot from, from this entire conversation. And as I said, um, of course, um, uh, the one of the idea is that to make um, these kind of advices, knowledge available to people who are uh, going through this, their own struggle, own journey. And at the same time, the personal selfish interest of um, learning myself that, okay, you know, uh, how things have worked for others, how, what uh, I can gain from that. So I, again, uh, learned a lot. Thank you so much for your time. Um, uh, you know, we uh, did um, go slightly longer than uh, we have scheduled, but um, thanks, uh, thanks for making that time. Okay. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed listening and found it useful. Visit our website www.favoritesunday.com to access other podcasts and a lot of other information related to HR and people strategies, organizational processes and for developing yourself. We will be back with another episode of The Master's Voice with yet another master. Until then, keep sharpening your saw and stay well. Once again, thank you for listening. Hi all. Welcome to another episode of The Master's Voice, where we talk about people's strategies for scaling up startups. And we cover topics like hiring, building and scaling startups, leadership, cultures, and so on. As we speak to our guests, we try to bring out some models, frameworks, methods that they use to build and scale their organization, and something that you may find useful as you build your team, your organization. And in this episode, we have another su successful serial entrepreneur, 
a person who calls himself an accidental entrepreneur and has accidentally founded and scaled two successful startups, Scriptbox and Probe Information Services, both well-funded by leading VCs in the world and growing very well. I'm delighted to have Atul Shingal on the Master's Voice. In his previous life as corporate cheer, if uh, that's a word, Atul held leadership positions at Course Viela, Standard Charter, Old Mutual and Capital One. He spent 15 plus years in building businesses in South Africa, UK and India and has expertise and experience in taking companies from 10 to 100 and in fact beyond. After two stints in building new businesses as an entrepreneur, Atul started his entrepreneurship journey with Probe Information Services in 2010. Probe is now the leading provider on corporate information in India. Later in 2012, he founded Scriptbox. He started Scriptbox as he felt strongly that India deserved better than what was on offer for the common investor. You can learn more about Scriptbox by visiting their site www.scriptbox.com. Atul, an alumnus of Mayo College, IIT, Madras, and I am Bangalore. He is passionate about entrepreneurship and actively mentors a number of startups, including being involved with NS NSRCEL. He is also a regular speaker at various fintech and entrepreneurship forums. A straightforward and direct speaker, I had a great time talking to him and learned some very simple, practical and actionable inputs on building an organization, importance of culture, how to hire, how to manage, the importance of firing when it's needed, and develop people how to take care of all these things to scale up your startup. Now, without further ado, I welcome Atul to the Master's Voice. So, sit back, or lay down, or cycle, or run, or walk, or whatever you prefer, and enjoy the talk. Well, that was Atul Shingal for us, sharing some great inputs and insights on growing your startup and managing your startup as your startup grows. Thank you for listening, hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. You can visit our website www.febrilsunday.com to access other podcasts and a lot of other informative materials on HR and people strategy and other organizational process. We will be coming back with another episode of the Master's Voice with yet another master. Until then, keep sharpening your saw and stay well. Hi all, welcome to another episode of the Master's Voice where we talk about people's strategies for scaling up startups and we cover topics like hiring, building and scaling team, leadership, culture and so on. As we speak to our guests, we try to bring out some models, frameworks, methods that they use to build and skill their organization and something that you may also find useful. And in this episode, we have another successful serial entrepreneur who calls himself, in fact, an accidental entrepreneur. And he accidentally founded and scaled two successful startups, Scriptbox and Probe Information Services, both well-funded by leading VCs in the world and growing very well. I'm delighted to have Atul Shingal on our podcast, The Master's Voice. In his previous life as a corporate cheer, if uh, that's a word, Atul held leadership positions at Courts Viela, Standard Chartered, Old Mutual and Capital One. He spent over 15 plus years in building businesses in South Africa, UK and India and had expertise and experience in taking companies from 10 to 100 and in fact beyond. After two stints in building new businesses as an entrepreneur, Atul started his entrepreneurship journey with Probe Information Services in 2010. Probe is now the leading provider of corporate information in India. And later in 2012, he started Scriptbox. He started Scriptbox as he felt strongly that India deserved better than what was on offer for the common investor. You can learn more about Scriptbox by visiting their site www.scriptbox.com. 
Atul is an alumnus of uh, Mayo College, IIT Madras, and I am Bangalore. And passionate about entrepreneurship and is actively involved uh, and mentors a number of startups, including being involved with NSRCEL and is also a regular speaker at various fintech and entrepreneurship forums. Atul is a straightforward and direct speaker and had a great time talking to him and learned some very simple, practical and actionable inputs on building an organization, importance of culture, how to hire and in fact also how to fire when it's required and how to manage and develop people and take care of all these things as the, as the startup grows. Now, without further ado, I welcome Atul to the master's voice. So, now sit back, lay down, cycle, run, walk, whatever you prefer, and enjoy the talk. Hi all, welcome to another episode of the master's voice, where we talk about people's strategies for scaling up startups, and we cover topics like hiring, building and scaling team, leadership, culture, and so on. As we speak to our guest, we try to bring out some models frameworks, methods that they use to scale up and build their organization and something that you may find useful as you build your team and your organization. And in this episode, we have another successful serial entrepreneur, someone who calls himself an accidental entrepreneur in fact, and has accidentally founded and scaled two successful startups, Scriptbox and Probe Information Services, both very well funded by leading VCs in the world and growing extremely well. I'm delighted to have Atul Shingal on the Master's Voice. In his previous life as a corporate year, if that's a word, Atul held leadership positions at Courts Viela, Standard Chartered, Old Mutual, and Capital One. He spent over 15 plus years building businesses in South Africa, UK, and India, and has expertise and experience in taking companies from 100 to, sorry, uh, 10 to 100 and beyond. After two stints in building new businesses as an entrepreneur, Atul started his entrepreneurship journey with Probe Information Services in 2010. Probe is now the leading provider on corporate information in India. Later in 2012, he founded Scriptbox. And he started Scriptbox as he felt strongly that India deserved better than what was on offer for the common investor. You can learn more about the Scriptbox by visiting their site www.scriptbox.com. Adul is an alumnus of Mayo College, IIT Madras, and I am Bangalore. And he is passionate about entrepreneurship. He actively mentors a number of startups, including being involved in NSCR, uh, sorry, NSRCEL. He's also a regular speaker at various fintech and entrepreneurship forums. Atul is a straightforward and direct speaker and I had a great time talking to him and learned some very simple, practical and actionable inputs on building an organization, importance of culture, how to hire, and in fact, even how to fire people when it is needed and develop people and how to take care of all those things as you as this startup grows now without further ado i welcome atul to the master's voice so sit back or lay down or cycle or run or walk or whatever you prefer and enjoy the talk hi all welcome to another episode of the master's voice where we talk about people's strategies for scaling up startups and we cover topics like hiring building and scaling team leadership culture and so on as we speak to our guests we try to bring out some models frameworks methods that they use to build and scale this organization and team and something that you may find useful as you build your organization and your team and in today's episode we have another successful serial entrepreneur in fact a person who calls himself a accidental an accidental entrepreneur and has accidentally founded and scaled two successful startups scriptbox and probe information services both well funded by leading uh, vcs in the world and growing very well 
Well, I'm very delighted to have Atul Shingal on the Master's Voice. In his previous life as a corporateur, if uh, that's a word, Atul held leadership positions at Course Viela, Standard Chartered, Old Mutual, and Capital One. He spent over 15 years in building businesses in South Africa, UK, and India, and has expertise and experience in taking companies from 10 to 100, and in fact, beyond. After two stints in building new businesses as an entrepreneur, Atul started his entrepreneurship journey with Probe Information Services in 2010. Probe is now the leading provider uh, on corporate, in, uh, corporate information in India, and later in 2012, he started Scriptbox. He started Scriptbox as he felt strongly that India deserved better than what was an offer for the common investor. You can learn, learn more about Scriptbox by visiting their site www.scriptbox.com. Adul is an alumnus of Mayo College, IIT Madras, and I am Bangalore. And he's passionate about entrepreneurship and actively mentors a number of startups, including being involved with NSR CEL. He's also a regular speaker at various fintech and entrepreneurship forums. Adul is a straightforward and direct speaker, and I had a great time speaking to, to him, learning about some very simple and practical action, and actionable inputs on how to build an organization, importance of culture, how to hire, and in fact, also how to fire when it is needed, and developing people, and taking care of all of these things while your startup grows. Now, without further ado, I welcome Atul to the master's voice. So, sit back, or lay down, or cycle, or run, or walk, or whatever you prefer, and enjoy the, enjoy the talk. Hi all. Welcome to another episode of the master's voice, and we have another successful entrepreneur on this episode. Even though I haven't met him as often as I might have loved to, our today's guest made a remarkable impact on my life and working through an incredible credo that he wrote for his company. The credo goes by, one life, do more. What an awesome belief. Not just the credo, I get so inspired and excited by his company's name as well, the Fuller Life. Won't we like to have our life like that? Dear listeners, I'm extremely delighted and excited to have with me Arvind Krishnan, founder and CEO of The Fuller Life. For a listener who may not know The Fuller Life or TFL as better known, it is an employee well-being and engagement company. TFL works with some of the leading organizations like Microsoft, Accenture, HP, Kotak, ITC, Ford to help them manage their employee well-being and engagement initiatives and they have been doing it for the last 19 years, that is since 2001. Apart from running corporate well-being and engagement initiatives, TFL also organizes some of India's greatest running events like Kaveri Trail Marathon or KTM as it is properly known in the running fraternity, Bangalore Ultra and Urban Stampede. And these races are organized through their very well-known brand Runners for Life or RFL. So let me not make you wait for any longer and welcome Arvind to the Master's Voice. However, before that, just a few words. For a change, we have not edited few segments of this podcast and that is on purpose. This is to keep the podcast and conversation real and to show some interesting insight view, some glimpse of an entrepreneur's life and way of thinking, and also to show not everything is perfect. Hope you look like that. So sit back or lay down or cycle or run or walk or drive or whatever you prefer and enjoy the talk. Okay, thank you for listening. That was very candid, very fun, very real Arvind Krishnan for us, sharing some great inputs and insights on people's challenges of a growing startup. Hope you enjoyed listening and found it useful. Visit our website www.fabrysunday.com to access other podcasts and a lot of other informative materials on HR and people's strategy and other organizational process. 
we will be coming back with another episode of the master's voice with another master until then keep sharpening your saw and stay well hi all welcome to another episode of the master's voice our today's guest is from a different world a different planet the reason i say he's from a different world is because he's from a large multinational organization unlike other guests so far on this podcast i am delighted to have murli krishna mandala with me murli is the asia pacific regional leader for technology services division at a wonderful organization called johnson and johnson where he has been for the last 11 plus years he is based out of singapore before jnj murli has been with organizations like motorola dell technologies and netcraft where he built team from scratch and grew to several hundreds he built delivery centers transition technology processes and created centers of excellence Mulle is one of those leaders whom I really admire and respect a lot. Humble, caring, empathetic, people-centric and goal-driven are the adjectives that come to my mind when I talk of him. He always sets high bar for himself, supports and develops his team and believes in driving accountability. A wonderful leader to work with. In this episode, I try to bring out some of his methods, experiences, learnings and advices on scaling, on leadership leading people and other people challenges that startup founders leaders and other professionals may find useful so without any further ado i welcome mulli to the master's voice so sit back or lay down or cycle or run or walk or drive or whatever you prefer and enjoy the talk okay thank you for listening that was simple humble and calm mulli for us sharing some of his inputs insights and experiences on people challenges of a growing startup hope you enjoyed listening and found it useful visit our website www.fabricsunday.com to access other podcasts and a lot of other informative materials on HR and people strategy and other organizational processes. We will be coming back with another episode of Master's Voice with another master in 2021. Until then, keep sharpening your saw and stay well. We hope new year will be better and brighter.